Bible ministry. It's so, most of the time, God speaks to us. Most of the time, it's a, it's a us thing, it's a we type thing. Most of the time, when, especially in the New Testament, when God speaks to, when, when they're saying you, most of the time, it's plural. something of, of church that is an us thing. That I don't think we, we, no, we don't grasp it at all in our, just with our culture being a very individualistic culture. I mean, if you think about it, most of us, even like the very radicals, you, you do find yourself thinking about yourself and, and what's going to better you, what's your life going to be amazing. You know, I mean, for a simple example, if you think about investment, why are you thinking about investment? to advance the kingdom or to get security for yourself but invest don't, i'm not against that but ask yourself the question are, are you everything that you're thinking about is it oh my god i'm just going to benefit this church or is it like me and i mean let's be honest most of the time we're not thinking how is this going to benefit the church let's be real with one another we often just think about ourselves because it's, it's so ingrained in us and god is calling us to be an us take you down a imagine with me so everyone quickly imagine with me quickly climb into your imagine box everyone there <laughs> yeah okay mate's always there huh? so uh, all the extroverts are like yeah what do you mean i'm already in my imagine box so imagine this with me imagine you're a person that just got saved for the first time you just realized that you need a savior you are in need of jesus you cannot save uh, yourself you are a slave to sin and but jesus paid it and now you follow him and you commit man i'm following jesus like you have no reference of christianity it's the first time you hear about it and then i give you a bible i said bro ooh, look brunette <laughs> bro read through this <laughs> read through this thing and i mean this is god's word to us and i don't say anything i just leave you alone in a room for a year it's going to be very depressing that's not what we're supposed to do you just you read through the bible and you go for it i mean you're going to have some questions to be honest and that's uh, that is why i think god places teachers and leaders within the church to help explain but if if at the end of that i ask you what is church what would you say think about it if you just go on the bible what would be your answer to what is church how does it look like how's it supposed to function because the sad reality is for most people in the world today especially the, the western culture the western church you ask them, you know, what should church look like? What is church supposed to be? It'll be, oh, there needs to be a nice band. You know, there's a place we go to on a Sunday, some nice worship. And, you know, there's a nice preach. Okay, we got the nice preach, but, you know, <laughs> just kidding. You know, but, but, you know, it has to be a nice preacher. You know, there needs to be people of my age group and of my, you know, my peers need to be here so I can fit in. You know, it needs to have great teacher facilities. I mean, you know, it has to be amazing. It has to have a youth for my, you know, teenager. There's all these things. But I mean, that is not, it's not like the picture you would get out of the Bible. No, it's, like, it's almost like we prioritize good worship and good preaching and this and that thing. And okay, don't you, I don't want to see overthink it. We need all those stuff to help. You know, it's, it's a, I'll get to that in now. But that is not the main thing. If you just read through the Bible, you'll probably say something like, man, the church is a, it's this gathering of believers. It's the people that believe in Jesus that get together on a regular basis and love one another and dev 
vote for themselves to one another. And they sell directly to people one another and make sure everyone is in, that everyone that, anyone that is in need, they pour to them. And then they, they disciple one another. So what's going on here is it's like a community living. It's an upkeep. It's like a family. You know, it's just family. Not all the bells and whistles. And I mean, I don't want to sin, but you, it's not the main thing. But the sad reality is, you know, when we, so imagine, imagine like Hannah's recurring where Jesus prayed, Father, I pray that they would be one as we are one. You know, the, uh, them in us and we in them and them in, this is like this unity thing. And it's really impossible, isn't it? Honestly, if you, how, how in unity are you? Just curious, just ask yourself that, I want you to answer that. Because I often find myself like this, man, am I, do I look like this type of unity that Jesus is speaking about? It almost seems impossible, but this, that's what we're supposed to work towards, and that's community and loving one another. Jesus says, greater no, love does no one have, you know, to, to lay their life down for one another. And then he says, man, you know what? I laid my life down for you, now go and do the same thing in me. Like, do you love one another to the extent of laying a life down? And I, don't, not like physical life necessarily, but your time, your efforts, the things that you like, are you willing to lay that down for those around you? It's probably going to be no deep in your heart. It's like, you, you might say yes, but deep in your heart, it's like, yeah, that's difficult. Like, it's like, I, I, I want to do my thing. I don't want to sell stuff and give it to others. I want to invest. I don't need to think about my future, Lord. I want to let you think about your future. You, you've got your life in your hands. But uh, this is this thing that God has called us to, this, the church. I'm not going to over-explain the church, but the church is supposed to be this place where we regularly meet, regularly come together to love one another, to encourage one another, where we have fellowship with one another. It is a place that is marked out by love, not great preaching or great worship. And, and oftentimes what we do is we overemphasize great worship or great preaching so that people just keep coming. Now, I, I, I sometimes find myself doing that, thinking, oh, I can get the worship better so that people keep coming back. I, I'm just honest with you, man. I'm not the superhuman that just gets everything right. I find myself thinking, thinking in that way. And that's not what Jesus is calling us to. And I'm sure that the problem is if we're going to think like that, we're going to teach you guys that this is, you know, I, I come to, you know, to, I don't know, it's a place where we together love one another. Man, the church is supposed to be a place where we develop people, and we, where people get trained and equipped, and un, they unlock what God has for them. They start to walk in what God has for them. Now, we, I think we do actually do well, like we, I, compared to, I think if you compare it to other churches, and I, I know, we, we, we sometimes find ourselves like, hey, we're doing quite well. But if you compare yourself with the Bible, ooh, need to keep going for that and that's the thing is we 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 might know what the church should be but if we're honest with ourselves we find ourselves ah, but it's not there yet and that's what i want to share with you guys like how can we get there because time and time again in the bible we see paul and people guys speaking about let's build the kingdom of god let's build god's church let's build together now we are living stones being built together there's this concept of building the church of god and i want to share this morning on how do we build just to use an example on, on like worship and preaching, sometimes it's, have you, it's, there's Luke. Oh, there's Luke. Oh, there you go. I mean, you, you, you are at building sites a lot, right? 
but you know, as you get to a building site, it's sometimes messy, right? Like it's like most times it's messy. It's bricks laying around and it's stuff that was building, you know. And it's like it's not just one person. You don't get the main builder arriving on the site and he's doing the bricks and the windows and everything. You've got this whole team of builders, and you all need to build together. And that's what I want to encourage you guys this morning, man. Build with us. Now those those guys who came on membership with me, come man, build with us. We need to be building together because we want to build this place where God is pleased to dwell in. If you look at us as a church, you go like, man, this, this is what I'm this is what I'm looking for. And it takes building, it takes effort. It's not just gonna fall out of the sky. You know, boom, right? You need to I'm not speaking about a physical building here, it's like a you, you understand what I'm saying. It's like a spiritual building. And oftentimes I think the preaching and, and worshiping and the coffee table and the even communities on a Wednesday, it's almost like the scaffolding that we use. And everyone knows what scaffolding is? It's like those steel pipes that you put next to a, a building so that you can climb on and build. It's like a, I don't know, what, what, how, how would you def- define scaffolding these days? <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, yeah, it's, hmm? yeah, <laughs> picked up staircase, it's kind of, and it's almost like, man, the worship is supposed to be like scaffolding, helping us to build into one another. The preaching is supposed to be scaffolding. The, the worship isn't the building itself. The preaching isn't the building itself. Now, us together, loving one another, that's the, that's the building where God dwells. And we need to help build it. So I don't want to throw, you know, preaching and worship, all that. I do, I do want us to have, like, awesome worship. It's really great. But I don't want us to have awesome, awesome worship that's really great so that people can keep coming back. You know, it's scaffolding so that we can connect with one another and connect with God. We need to keep it in the right order. Does that make sense? Now, I want to look at two points. First one would be building in yourself. And the second one would be building into others. Because I don't know if you know, but if you are a born-again Christian here this morning, you are part of the church. You are like this living stone that is in the church. So if we speak about let's build the church up, I think it needs to start we need to start with the self first. Because if you build correctly in yourself, you will have something that you can give to others. Now, if, if you actually, I think if every believer here this morning goes and says, okay, let me build the church first within myself and then in others, everyone's going to start being built up. Everyone's going to start growing. Now, I'm not saying just think of yourself, but you need to build within yourself. Otherwise, you can't just be looking outward. You know, that classic thing, you need something to come in before you can have something to go out. You need input so that there can be some sort of output. So the first point on building within ourselves is in 1 Corinthians 14, 1 to 5. Let me just read it on the back of the, off the back of that. Should I give it to you now? <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts especially the gift of prophecy. For anyone who speaks in in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. Indeed, no one understands him. He utters mysteries in the spirit. But but anyone who prophesies speaks to to men for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. Would you just keep verse 4 up? Edifies himself. Other translations say builds himself up. But the one who prophesies edifies the church. Now, I mean the church as in the collection of people, but you are a living stone in the church. And our first point I want to make is we need to remind ourselves to pray in tongues. 
honestly, yeah, it, it's probably one of the most forgotten things. Think about it. If you do pray in tongues, when last did you pray in tongues? No, and I don't mean the prayer meeting, the prayer meeting here this morning, because then you know it just feels. But do you, on your way to work, still do a praying tongue in your quiet time before you do stuff? Do you? Is it just me that forgets to pray in tongues? Is there someone else that sometimes okay? Don't you? Uh, don't you? <laughs> don't you? Don't you? No, I, I find myself forgetting to pray in tongues, and then I'm oh yeah, wait. I've got this massive tool that God has given me to connect with Him, that would edify my spirit and get closer to Him. And it's like this connection with God. I honestly think Paul says actually in verse five, but he encourages encourages us, and he wants us all to speak in tongues. And I want to say to you guys, I want all of you to speak in tongues. You don't have to. But why wouldn't you want to try? Look, I don't want to get into the theology. Is it for everyone and technicalities? The point is, do you want it? Do you want this thing that God has given us to get, you know, like to connect with Him? And it's like, come on, it starts with a desire. And trust God. If, he, if something happens, great. If nothing happens, fine. But rather trust God for something than just say, no, maybe not. And that's the, I think it's a, it's a tactic of the devil saying, like, just, come on, I know this is good. You saved me. Rather, don't get caught up. I, firstly, I want any, everything and anything that God has for me. And I'm going for it. Paul says he eagerly desires, eagerly desires the church of God. He says this, especially apostles. He goes, come on, we need to desire this thing. I have seen, I, I think if all of us, let's say all of us, every morning for 10 minutes, we sit and we pray in tongues. Man, I, in two or three months from now, yo, you guys are going to grow a lot. And it's not like you pray in tongues and all of a sudden you feel, I don't know, like Superman. But, it, but it's a consistent building that you build yourself up. And this is, I'm speaking specifically in your quiet time. Come on, pray. Remind yourself. Remind one another. Guys, hey, remember to pray in tongues. Go for it. And you connect with God. And if you're struggling with, I'm not doing a teaching on tongues. If you're struggling to know what that is, contact me afterwards. Chat me if you need me there. If you, if you say here this morning, man, I want to actually pray in tongues, and I've never done it. You know, if, 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 if I, I'm struggling to maybe understand it, go and speak to a community group. Say, hey, help me with this. And then let's sit together and catalyze this thing. Let's pray with one another. Because that is church, hey, where we speak to one another and say, hey, help me with this. I'm struggling to understand this concept. Would you, you know, teach me this? Or let's go through the scriptures together. I mean, us meeting here on a Sunday is just one little part of church. But us together throughout the week, building one another up. So that's the first one, speaking tongues. The second one is in Ephesians 4, verse, no, not 12. <laughs> Ephesians 4, verse 22 to 24. You better like a note this. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your mind and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. You can just leave verse 24 up there. I think this is, again, one of those neglected things. I often sit with people and we chat and even within myself, we all are aware of the things we need to put off, right? Most of us. You're aware of the things you should not be doing. But not just the things that you would be doing. Maybe you're struggling with pride. You know you shouldn't be, you know, wearing that shirt. Come on, you know, don't need to put this on. And maybe you're struggling with insecurities. You know, 
we all know that is something that we are wearing that we're not supposed to be wearing. Right? We, we, we're all quite hard on ourselves often, so we know what your bad is. But the problem is we're so focused on putting off something, and we, f- we forget putting on the new. And that's my second point is we need to put on the new. You know, it's, it's getting colder now and Bloomington Bank. So let's say in July, as it's very cold, one morning you're standing here outside, short fitted pants and a short shirt, and you're like, you know, you're freezing. And someone comes to you and gives you this nice, warm jacket. Here you go. And you're like, thank you. You take it, you put it on your arm. You're like, and you just shake further. And it's so much, it's so often what we do. Say, oh man, I'm, I'm struggling with insecurities. Okay, now let's take that thing off. But let's, let's place, here's a jacket. Be content of God. Man, find your identity in Christ. Yeah, yeah, thank you, thank you. I know I need to do that. Stand there and shave. Now, I, I, am, I am a bit more of a practical guy, so I want to share on how do we actually do that, because it might sound a bit abstract. Okay, how do I put on being insecure and take off being insecure? But to get it super practical, let's say you struggle with pride. The Bible says you need to humble yourself, okay? Pride is not something that just leaves. Like, I don't think it's that powerful anymore. <laughs> so... I know I shouldn't be, uh, I'm wrestling with pride, I think too much of myself, or I'm very self-conscious, what are people going to think about me, you know, uh, you stand there, before you go to church, you stand at the cupboard, what should I wear? Why, why, I mean, honest, why are we asking us, I know I'm going to slip, I've I've spoken to the worship leaders, like, why do you dress like you dress when you lead worship, but when you go to work on Monday, you dress differently? It's, it's, It's a good question you need to ask yourself. Because generally, if you look at all the worship bands that's got albums and stuff, they're all wearing their ripped jeans and black shirts. I didn't wear my black shirt this morning. because I knew. <laughs> but Because it's a thing. And we cut our hair this way. And look, I don't want to, you can do with your hair and your beard what you want. And but why are you dressing a certain way? Is it to get, you know, to look, to make yourself look better? To look the part? We don't ask ourselves these questions, do we? I find myself often doing something, and I'm like, why am I doing this? Like, why am I? I mean, this morning, me and Dean, we were busy. We went to get the heaters and stuff, and I remember walking in here, and I was like, oh, my shirt's a bit dirty. And I was like, what? Look, if something is dirty, go clean it. And oh, I think in a split second found myself confronted with, people are going to see I'm wearing a dirty shirt. Come on, no man, brush it off and let's go. One of the big reasons I like a black shirt is because it doesn't show pit stains. Oh, good man. <laughs> Are you, <laughs> I'm too self-conscious about my pit stains. But oh, do you get self-conscious about it? I don't want to lift my hands in worship because what if, you know, it's easier in the winter when no one sees it. So there's so much pride in us oftentimes. So how do we deal with that? We need to put off that thing. But the thing we need to put on is we must clothe ourselves with humility. And practically how that looks, I think it means, you know what, lift up your hand and let everyone see your foot stain. Like, you need to go in the opposite direction of what you want to go. Instead of, you know, you're on worship, I've done it oftentimes, I'm on worship and I'm like, I want to wear my best clothes. Now look, don't look skimpy, but I want to wear my, no, no, let me just wear my normal clothes. It was a couple of weeks ago, you can ask my wife, I was just like, st- 
standing in a mirror looking at my beard, and I was like, I'm just going to shave it because I want to be more normal because I'm finding that this chops me up a bit. Not that I've got a massive, great beard. It's just a bit messy. And I was like, I need to go in the opposite direction. I need to look at myself, where is the issue, and clothe myself with the different, differently. I need to put off the old and put on the new. I need, it means putting it off. And if you're insecure, if, you, if you're shy, it's not going to go away by itself. You need to put on, I'm going to introduce myself to Jesus. Now, if you struggle to open up your life, you know what? Next Wednesday at communion, shave. Put on the new and be vulnerable. It's not just going to happen. You need to, and the, the, the challenge is, I want to almost like warn you guys. I mean, God is faithful to get us where he wants us. And he's going to ap- start applying pressure if you don't clothe yourself with what God wants you to do. And you're struggling to be vulnerable, and you just keep shame. God is going to start applying pressure to a point where you just stop. Because he wants you to open up. Rather, rather you do it than him doing it. It's going to be way easier for you to do it. Now, it's like in cycling, where's all the cyclists here? Amen. Come on. <laughs> okay, just four here. Okay. <laughs> it's like in surfing. No, I'm kidding. No, it's like when you, especially in cycling, I remember when I would cycle, you get a thing that they call a berm. So it's just little, I don't know, sand. and but So what you do is you have the bike, it's like a little turf. Have you seen that maybe on the TV? It's like little sand that's on a whippy and you turn in it. Do you know what I'm saying? Okay, maybe let's use a different example. Let's say you're riding on a road, a flat road with your bike. If you look this way, behind you, the moment you start looking back, you've drifted this way. Have you seen that? Even in your car, if you're speaking to someone, you need to correct yourself. You you know what I'm speaking about. And that is because you go to where you're looking. And if we're only going to look at, oh, I've got pride, and I've got this, no, no, let's look at, look for humility. Aim for humility. Now, in cycling, I used to fall a lot, as you guys know, it's often tough. And because I never look where I'm supposed to be going. So I go into the turn, and I'm looking at the turn, and I just go over it. They say you're supposed to look at the exit of the turn so that your body follows where you're going. So instead of going like, oh, I'm so prideful, I'm struggling with this thing, look at, I want to I be humble. I, I want to be secure. I want to know my identity in Christ. I want to be devoted. Look at those things, and that, that's where you're going to aim. I want to be vulnerable. Okay, look at opportunities to be vulnerable. Instead of just saying, I'm not vulnerable enough. And then if you're wrestling with sin, yes, you need to, you need to get ri- rid of sin, but stop focusing on, I need to stop doing this sin, because you, you'll end up just getting back in there. Focus on, man, I need to get closer to God. Because if you focus on God, it's almost like the other thing becomes easier. Again, probably not just going to poof into the, off the waves, but man, fo- if you focus on God, it's going to help. I don't know, maybe you take a little sticker, a little piece of paper, and put it somewhere where you're a lot. Um, for the guys, probably at the back of the toilet, the toilet doors, and say something like, remember to pray in tongues. I don't know. <laughs> for the girls, next to the mirror, you know, when you put up your makeup and stuff, remember to pray in tongues. Remember to be humble, whatever. And because you're going to need to encourage yourself, focus on, I need to look at where I'm supposed to be going. If you're struggling with 
uh, maybe you can use another, another example. If you're, let's say you're struggling with, with greed. And you just want more, and you want to keep your finances. You know what's the best way to defeat that thing? Is to give. Man, that thing, if you give, that crucifies greed right there. And you'll find yourself, you think, I'm going to give. And then you've got the money, and you're going to give it to someone, or whatever you feel you need to be doing. And you stand, you're like, I don't think I can. <laughs> but I can do so much with this. Like, you, know, you ask yourself, oh, you know, can I tithe before my tax or after my tax? And all of a sudden, greed, wh- why does it matter to you? Where can I get a couple of extra bucks? It is what it is. Now, you find some loopholes and stuff. No, just kill greed and give. Rather give too much than too little. I've, I've done it where, you know, someone maybe pays you in money or something, but it's an odd number. It's like, okay. Let's say a thousand rand, thousand two hundred fifty-two point four, and now you're like, okay, I, I need to tithe on this. Then you go and like, okay, work out what's ten percent, and then you you maybe you send your tithe like hundred and twenty point something, whatever. And it's like I I just thought to myself, man, that is, I'd rather just round it up, because something in me, the greed in me is like, I need to give the bare minimum. You know, let's no man, let's round it up. Let's be faithful. Let's uh, we need to crucify. We need to put off greed and put on generosity. But if I only try and put off greed, it's just going to be back on me again. Because as it gets sold, you grab to the nearest thing to crucify. Okay, the next point. Giving yourself to be equipped. In Ephesians 4, 11 to 12, and I'll get to 4, 12, sorry. I know you've been waiting for this. It was he who gave some to be apostles, prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Think about what is being said here. Paul's saying Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. He gave these gifts to the church to equip the church, to equip us for ministry, for the works of service, so that the church may be built up that we would be built up together. And I, I want to ask you, do you give yourself to be equipped? Do you give yourself to be equipped? I know some of you guys want to be community leaders or worship leaders or deacons. You, you feel like you're called to be an elder. Have you watched like our equipping videos? And that's like the start, is like the starting point, I think, for us. If you feel you're called to lead a community, have you watched the community leaders' videos? Have you given yourself to be equipped? If you feel, whatever the thing is, I feel I'm called to be a deacon. Okay, have you worked through the stuff to, to equip you? You know, my, my parents are doing some renovations there at the home, and I'm super excited. That's awesome. But they've got uh, people there that are professionals to do it. Let's say a, a month or so again, my, let's say my dad would say, hey, I want to do some renovations, and I tell him, okay, I've got you. I'll do it. I'll grab a couple of the Owens. Let's go build. It's going to look terrible. <laughs> no offense, Owens. <laughs> Let's say, Reinhard, bro, you're on laying bricks. Let's go. Let's walk. <laughs> I'll put the roof on. It's just not going to work. We, you need professionals to some extent. You need people that know what they're doing. You need people that are equipped. Maybe professionals is a wrong word, but you need people that are equipped. And are you giving yourself to be equipped? We want to build God's house. Let's give ourselves to be equipped so that we can do it. 
I mean, as you, as you, as you found yourself, maybe the community leaders, I know you guys have gone through this, but it's relevant to both of you. You sit, you're sitting with someone in your community, and they're chatting to you about something. Oh, A, B, and C happened. And you're like, I don't know what to do now. I have no clue. Like, what do you do? You think, okay, who's the guy that tested this? And they phone Adam. <laughs> Adam, what do I do? But the, as you get involved in stuff, you get equipped. You become, you get to a point where you actually able to do it. One of the biggest concerns I've heard from people, let's say, guys, we need to evangelize. Everyone would say, yes, amen, we need to tell people about Jesus. And then I would ask you, well, why aren't we doing it? Because I don't know what to do. What if they ask me a difficult question? Am I right? Oftentimes, I, I, I've got Kathy going, hey, do you want to maybe preach sometime or do a, a little finance teaching or something? I'm like, I don't know what to say. But I know these guys. Come on, yeah, you can do it. Just be equipped. Equip yourself. Give yourself. And did you go to the Northern FA, Northern RSA equip? Now, if you, if you couldn't go, that's fine. That's not, but did you make an attempt to go? Or was it like, no, nah, I'll sort this one out? Look, I don't, wanna, I don't want you guys to feel bad. If you couldn't go, it's completely fine. But did you give yourself to be equipped? God's calling us to build His house. Right? We need to be equipped. Have you registered for Fort Wells? Now, that's like the one biggest thing of the year we go and we get equipped. Look, I didn't register on day one. I know. You, you, the registrations come out and you're like, okay, well, um, where are we going to get the financing? Do you think we but is your heart to go? Or are you thinking, how can I get out of this? I would just, you know, I would just buy a ticket and kind of, and uh, last year, I think it was a couple of, couple of you guys. I know some of you did it. Where was I? I bought my ticket. And I hope I can go. <laughs> I hope my exams don't fall on that week. That's cool. If, you know, th- that is the mentality that I think we should have. Man, I'm going and hope nothing happens. And look, let's say your exams fall on that week. It's, it's okay. Sorry, man. <laughs> yeah, okay. You know, you do go and do your exams. But your heart is, I want to go. Or you, you say, okay, well, let me just wait a week and see what the exams are. But my heart is to go. Or you're just giving us money to be equipped. And we've got amazing resources on our Fort Wells app website, YouTube, there are all these equipping videos, all these stuff to just get you kick-started, you know, it's like a kick-start to know more or less what to do, and then on the job, you'll figure it out, you'll know that wall is true, so okay, let me redo it, but it's good to be equipped, does it make sense, I know this is a bit like self-centered stuff here, but let's get to the good stuff, building one another up, so the first one, you can put, um, Elaine, you can put 1 Corinthians 14, verse 3 to 4 up again on the screen. But everyone who prophesies speaks to men for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. Paul literally says, man, this is the best way that we build up the church. I honestly think this is the best way that we can build up the church and one another is through prophecy. Now, prophecy, what is prophecy? Because I know some of you guys might be new here. You're not exactly sure what it is. I don't have 40 minutes to explain that. But basically, it is, it's like you, you either hear the voice of the Lord for someone saying, hey, man, God is saying this to me. Or you pick up God's heart for someone. Hey, man, this is what God heart, God's heart is for you. Or you just know, man, it's like you get this revelation of something that's going to happen. And God is saying, going to cause this, watch out for this. It's like a, a connection from God for other people. Something from God for others. Now, let's not get technical here, eh? 
So are you prophesying regularly? I think prophecy is something that everyone should be doing. Some, some of us have got an amazing gift of prophecy. So it's like it just happens. You walk past someone like, hey, I've got a prophetic word for you. Or, or, you know, they've got, they've got a gift. But at the core, we all should be prophesying. We should. Paul says, eagerly desire the spiritual gifts, especially prophecy. Like, surely, just like worst case scenario, you can just hear from the Lord what is he saying to this person. I mean, I know, I know it's a bit daunting. But man, that edifies you. It, it builds you up. Honestly, I know a lot of you, I've given prophetic words to a lot of you. And I, I try and do it like a lot. Like I try and force myself. And you know, oftentimes, hopefully, it has edified you. It feels like, man, the Lord knows. He's speaking to me. You know, he's like, he's, he's leading me. He's guiding me. But the problem is we get so scared. Like, oh, what am I, what have I wronged? Like, what if it's not from the Lord? Now, I've, I've, I think even last night while, while I was praying for this, I, I felt like the Lord showing me this picture of a pipe. Right? And in the pipe... There was a it was a blockage, and this I felt the Lord saying that this pipe is people's prophetic gift. There's a prophetic gift, but it's been blocked because of fear of man. It's been blocked because of a fear of failure. Specifically, I felt this thing about fear of failure. But I I do believe the Lord saying, "Man, don't be afraid." Honestly, I think the most prophetic people only only have like an eighty percent faith. The Bible says we need to test prophetic gifts because none of us prophesied like hundred percent all the time. And we, we see it through our lenses and all of this. It's unrealistic to think you're going to hit everyone every time. That's why we should test it. We need to test someone says, you prophesy in part. I'll get over it, you know. <laughs> you're going to miss it. But oh, that's something that I've been trying to do now, is when I get a prophetic word for someone, generally, I will just share it, generally. But there's sometimes where it feels a bit like a bigger prophetic word, a bit more... I'm not exactly sure. Now, what I would ask someone to come with me. Like, Adam, come with me. Someone that I know is prophetic. Come, hey, come with me. You know, let's go. I just want to prophesy. And then I give, I have the freedom of, if any of them say, like, I don't know if I witness it, though. I don't know if that is from the Lord. I'll go, okay, tell the person, listen, just ignore what I said. Or, you know, go and pray about it, but it's probably from God. Because I know I can be wrong. And because I know I can be wrong, I know I should just go for it. Because eventually I'm going to be wrong anyway. So let me go for it. Those that I miss, I miss. Those that I get, I get. And, you know, it's that cheesy saying, I had this friend at school, and he said, you miss 100% of the chances you don't take. He said it in a different context. <laughs> but with prophecy, it's true. You miss 100% of the prophetic words you don't give. I think of it. guys laugh at what I've said it to you. <laughs> Man, you got, you, you're going to miss 100% of those that you don't even go for. Like if, if you see a prophetic word, you go for it. I'm not going to even preach this part yet, but I just want to speak it to that opportunity. Is there anyone that feels like, you know what, that prophetic, that thing you saw about the pipe and there being a blockage, I've got a fear of failure. I'm, I'm, my prophetic gift has, has gone dormant. It's gone, like it, there's no, it's not flowing anymore because I'm afraid. Like, I'm afraid I might miss it. If there's anyone, why don't we just one quickly pray for you? Is there anyone like that? Don't be shy. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Hey, just 
Zeitung. Und Maybe keep your hands up and someone next to you can put their hand on you. Thanks. Father, I want to come and pray for those that are responding to your word this morning. Lord, I pray that you come and I pray for faith in their hearts. Lord, I pray for a, a boldness to go for it, Lord. Lord, I pray against any fear of failure, that they would leave in the name of Jesus right now. Would you come and break that blockage? Would you come and unclog their prophetic gifts right now, Lord? Lord, I pray for, for revelation to come, even as they're sitting there, that when they start to hear you again, and that they would be faithful with what you're giving them. Lord, would you come and break the fear of failure? Break the fear of failure. Amen. I, I feel, now, though I know, I feel the Lord saying to me, yeah, that those of you that responded, that even if you miss a prophetic gift, He's still your father. Man, he's still good. Don't go like, oh, I've missed it. Now the Lord's disappointed me. Open the door. Just like, come on, you can go for it. Uh, I'm sure Adam says little Lucas teaching him. I don't know. Have you taught him to cycle yet? Oh, Lucas. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but uh, he's maybe one day you know, he's, he's going to teach him how to cycle. And he's going to go for it. He's going to fall. It's going to happen. Going to look at Lucas like, ooh, Lucas, you know, the bike's not for you. No, man. Come on, you can do this. Come on, let me help you. Come on. That's the hardest thing, man. Come on, you can do this. Don't be harder on yourself than Jesus is. <laughs> that was like a one for some of you. <laughs> Come on. The, the second, second, and also the second last point that I have, Brady, I just, is encouragement. Hebrews 10, verse 24 to 25. We read that together this morning. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Man, we need to encourage one another. That, that is it's awesome. You know, you know those people that are just always encouraging? I'm sure you can think of some of them. Whenever you're around them, they're just... No matter how life is falling apart, they're just, life's good. <laughs> and I think by you like one of those guys, right? No matter how much Kelsey loses, you know, <laughs> we're always in it, man. <laughs> Next weekend. <laughs> but no, no matter how bad it's going, just come on, man. Let's, let's follow God. We can go for it. It's encouraging. Now, I think he's got a gift of encouragement, but we all need to encourage one another. You know, I know oftentimes... I need encouragement, even to yourself, you know, like, I don't want to go to this thing. Come on. Because it's, it's normal, right? I mean, I'm human like you, all of us. You do, especially as it's getting colder in the winter, you're going to need a lot of encouragement Sunday morning. This morning, I was a bit like, you this is lacquer in your bed, no. <laughs> but come, now we need to go. We need to get to the people today. We need to not neglect the gathering. We encourage one another. Hey, you see, whenever you see someone, you see them, being a bit down. Come on, man, let's go for it. Look for some way, some way to encourage one another. I think as a church, we need to correct the way we view one another. Because oftentimes what we do, and I find myself need to constantly correct me, you look, you, when you think of someone, do you think of something that is encouraging about them? Or do you think of something that they need to correct? Like this person, uh, the great worship leader, Buck. Do you think of Buck? Anybody? Look, I mean, the stuff that's issue is, is obvious to all of us, you know. I mean, I'm sure you guys see the issues in me. It's usually obvious. But we need to correct ourselves 
And let's look at the positive. Let's look at the breakthrough. Let's speak encouragement to one another. Come on, man. Like, well done for this. Well done for that. Whenever we see one another, hey, you're so good at this. You guys are so wonderful. You guys are so possible. I've said it all week. We just love people, man. Like, I think. <laughs> yeah, rolling his eyes. Man, let's send out encouragement. Do we need to accountability in this thing? I remember him giving me a control or him just me having a coffee. And I mean, I think the coffee was more me chatting to you. And at the end of it, he said, Hey, come, come, come on, let's have a chat. Just prayed. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it's just like the laws of the room over your life. And I'm like, Okay, I'll take it. But I mean, okay. I, I kid you not, probably, I think the next day or even that same day, someone just paid money into my account. Now, I can know who the person was, but it, you know, it's like, I was like, Wow. Drew, pray for me again. <laughs> 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 you know, but it was, it, it's encouraging. And it's like he, he, he was praying and coming alongside me. Like, Come on, we can do this. And I think, man, encouragement goes far. If, if, you, if you're married here, something that, I'm, that I've just seen, not necessarily just in our lives, but in, in those, in the married couples around us, something I've seen is that I think if you're struggling with, not struggling with your spouse, but you look at them and you're like, there's always something wrong with them. It's always, you're always seeing the negative thing. Because you stay with that person, so you see them 24-7. Why did you say amen? Can I just, <laughs> 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 no, I'm kidding. <laughs> kidding. But if, if, you, if you're always thinking like, man, my spouse should be doing this more or that more, or always like this, you, you need to watch out. That thing is going to sink in. You need to look at something that is encouraging. You need to be grateful for something. Say, man, I'm grateful for this aspect. Look for something that you can encourage this person with. Say, man, you're so good at this. And you start to focus on the positive. Because the negative just generally wants to come. As humans, we, we, you default into what's wrong with people. But let's focus on encouragement. Then, man, come on, it's going to be awesome. Then when you go to a community, every, every time we come to a community, we want to encourage you. Sometimes I just want to give them a call. Please encourage me. I mean, so anything. Okay, then the last thing. Just to balance my time. Is we need to have difficult discussions, difficult conversations with people. One of the biggest revelations I had, I don't know how many years ago, is I remember struggling. I, I could see stuff in people's lives. And I was so afraid to speak to them, to them about it. Let's say I, I, I see Adams is doing something that he shouldn't be doing. It's not necessarily a sin. It's just the way he's doing something. It's not, I don't think it reflects me. But I'm so scared to go and say it to him because I don't want to offend him or whatever. But he said this and then my friendship's going to break. And then we, I don't know all the excuses. And I just had a moment where I felt the Lord saying to me, Paul, whenever you do not bring something up like that, I am stealing an opportunity from Adam to become more like Jesus. I was like, oh, okay. So Lord, I, I need... Eventually, I need to bring forth that. I need to help. And that's the thing, man. He's, that's, what, that's what you're supposed to do. It's not just the leaders directing everyone. It's all of us. When we're a family, we need to be a bit more robust. Like, properly. Because, come on. We need to have a conversation. If you want to leave the church the first time someone has a difficult conversation with you, you may, maybe this isn't the church for you. Like, I'm, I'm serious. Because we're going somewhere. We need, to, we need some work. Um, 
we're not going to keep it low-key. It's like, this is an issue, let's go. Look, and we'll do it as gently as we can. And we, but come on, man. Be a bit more robust. Whether that person is right or wrong, we just let's have those conversations. In Galatians 6, verse 1 to 2. Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual, who's spiritual, everyone? Any spiritual connection? Thank you, thank you. See those hands? I was hoping for everyone, but it's okay, it's okay. We'll get there. <laughs> you who are spiritual, should re- um, if anyone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself, for you also may be tempted. Carry each, one, each other's burdens, and in this way fulfill the law of Christ. Man, when we look at one another, and I, and I want to say this from the start, don't, if I see something in Ricky, let's say I see some issue, I shouldn't be looking at him as you need to fix this issue. You need to ask yourself first, what is the burden that he's carrying? What is the burden that he's carrying because of this? Like, why is he doing this? I need to be aware of the burden and say, come, let me, l- let me carry this with you. Let me help. And then also you bring in the brother. And th- that's, that's why people love pastors. Not, not anyone that's part, like, I mean, guys in chapter groups, like Andre, Adam. <laughs> they could see the stuff, but when they're with you, they try and be as gentle as possible. Like, come, let me, let me carry this with you. Even if they come across hard, generally there's a, let me carry this with you. And let's carry one another's burdens, but we need to speak about this. In, in Galatians 2, verse 11 and 14, this is, I mean, we can put it out, man. But imagine this. This is in the Bible. So for the past 2,000 years or so, I mean, Christians everywhere, well, hopefully, point is christians have been reading this and put yourself in peter's shoes written this down when peter came to antioch i opposed him to his face <laughs> because he was clearly in the wrong <laughs> imagine your peter is like no <laughs> it's in the bible for all of eternity it's gonna be like oh, i'm that guy <laughs> the apostle that was corrected publicly <laughs> forever and like now we read of his failure essentially it's a bit like ooh. Before certain men came from uh, James, he used to eat with the Gentiles, but when, okay, I'm not going to read it. The fa- point was, he was basically being saved, or a hypocrite. So when, it was, when he was amongst certain people, he would, eat, um, he would eat pork, he would do certain things. But when the Jews, the, the Christians that were from Jewish descent, when they would walk into the room, he would kind of stop, because he's afraid of them and what are they going to say. And Paul says, man, you're being a hypocrite. And he does it. He, he sees me, he thinks, oh, I need to correct you. And this is Paul correcting Peter. It's not like Paul correcting this random guy. Peter. The one that was with Jesus for like three years and just defending Jesus. And then Jesus comes to restore him. And it's like, you know, on this rock I'll build, build my church. What does that even mean? But just Peter was kind of like a prominent guy. And he's just correcting him. Ooh. I'm different. I'm totally out of my keeper. should be fine because it's a problem for you it's because you're insecure and you worry too much about yourself (laughs) sorry man but it is why am i afraid of correction why am i afraid of difficult conversations coming my way because it doesn't fit in my comfortable box the challenge is with our culture today we we teach our children from young that you're always a winner everything is about you we 
work our schedule around you. I don't just marry you, baby. And then you, you, you get to the age of, like, I don't know, you get to the age of 18 or 19, you go out of, go out of house, and you feel so entitled. And we are a younger church, so I know a l- for a lot of us, there's so much entitlement in here. So when someone comes here, they're like, oh, and the way they address you, can we just can we speak to us? I'm a widow. I've got a whole cupboard full of participation trophies. your children it's not what i'm saying it's just there needs to be a sober reality of i'm not the center of the universe i'm not jesus is you get guys that well i mean jesus i mean jesus no 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 and and, and it's funny think about it now oh the worship wasn't great i'll go check out a different beer you just gotta it's shocking eh that's like why I said, look, if you, if you don't like confrontation, I don't want you to leave. Don't hear me. Don't, that's not what I'm saying. But if you don't like confrontation, and you, and you don't, and you're not the center of the universe, I'm not the center of the universe. Andrew is not the center of the universe, and he knows it. He has said it many times. He's like the most chilled guy ever, even though he's a leader. Jesus is. Jesus is the center of the church. It's all about him. So then we can have those difficult conversations. 